off the ball. It's not okay for him to be fine in a test match like that. It's a fulcrum position where everything runs through nine and ten. You don't get to be fine in in matches like that where you start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Zebo going on his own. He gets the try. The red seventy eight. We're both monster people. Nobody knows Munster Rugby better. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to episode 46 of the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. And with me as always is Neve Briggs. How are you, Neve? Hi, Quinny. How are you? Oh, Grant, not a bother. Uh, no no Munster match for, well, last Thursday week, so it's not... Uh, yeah. That South Africa game was, was obviously a, a high for him. Uh, we're just we're going obviously going to talk a little bit about the November internationals and looking ahead to the Connacht game at the weekend. Uh, we want you to be involved, and you can tweet us at Rugby Channel or tweet both of us at our personal Twitter handles, or leave a comment uh, on YouTube after the podcast. So we have some tweets, um, maybe some impressions about you know what the where Munster at? Can they build on that performance against South Africa for Saturday night in Thomond Park? Yeah, so um, we're, I'm just going to actually just give you the two comments that were on our YouTube channel, if that's okay, because one was very um, applicable to what we've been speaking about the last day we're on. So obviously, um, Jerry Holland had passed away and you had done a lovely uh, piece about him. But Patrick Keane um, came in and said, RIP Jerry, he truly represents the glory years of Munster, legend, also, we need more games in Cork with some crowd and some crack. Even with the weather being shit, it was amazing. Hopefully any knockout game will be up there. Truly amazing stadium. Even the walkout was a good laugh. I'm a Limerick man, but I have to ask, would that game have been a sellout in Limerick? And what was the actual last actual sellout in Thorne Park? Like, I mean, sellout a few weeks before a game. I'm not sure if you, if you would move any knockout out of the Aviva too mad for the money. Yeah, that's an interesting point about moving the matches, but um, I think certainly Munster would like to to possibly, you know, if they have the knockout stage to go back to Cork again. It was a great night, and uh, but we'll wait and see. It'll all be dictated by numbers and finances. Yeah, absolutely. I do think uh, the the usual Stephen Say Leinster game uh, in Thorne Park and, and a lot of those European Cup games they're very well sold out in terms of of good crowds in Limerick as well. So. Look, we'll just have to have to see. Uh, Tom Lundrigan also says, um, one game at a time, lads. At the end of the day, Munster are only a bonus point away from sixth place in the table. Build on each game now and into the Heineken Cup. We can get back up there one game at a time. Loves his um, very positive, Thomas. Um, Liam Sheehan, just, we're just going on to your, your, your tweets now. Is that all right? So from the tweet that you put out. Uh, Liam Sheehan, not sure if the Irish players will be back. There's a strong case to be made for giving most of the team that beats South Africa A another go. Uh, Joe Healy, successful November results-wise. However, lacking a good kicker probably costs South Africa the win and a lack of discipline as well as their first try being disallowed. And a lucky penalty for Ireland just might have cost the Wallabies a result they probably deserved. Winning is a good habit, though. Uh, Martin Bramall Connacht will be up for this as Andy's last game at Thorne Park we'll want to win it for him and do the double over Munster interesting who co- who the coaches will go with Healy was on it against South Africa Crowley showed some good stuff against the All Box and didn't look out of place on Saturday 
So they're they're the gist of it, really. It, it, I think the big thing will be the selection in relation to who's available for this weekend. Yeah, I think um, just I'm sure people would have seen the the that Keith Earls is going to be back training. Liam Coombs is back. John Klein, um, Joey Carberry is, is training with Munster this week. Um, he's still going through his return to play protocols. Um, and I think all the Irish players are going to be back and available for selection. Um, so now Graham Rountree has a a much healthier looking squad to choose from. And the argument from one of the tweeters there, I think it was Martin Brummel that was saying about, um, you know, should he go with the, the same players again um, that played against South Africa? I think you've got to drop one or two of the internationals in there and go 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 as strong as possible. Um, they'll certainly be feeling better about themselves and obviously the Irish players coming back having won those three games. Um, yeah. They won't be bouncing think- into camp, but they'll be in good spirits they didn't lose a game. And um, it's obviously um, it's obviously a big clash. Munster 14th in the table, Connacht are 13th in the table, or 12th in the table on 13 points. They're one point ahead of them. So Yeah, we, I think the we, likes of... Sorry, I think the likes of Earlsy being back is huge for that group as well. I think, you know, I, I think Munster have missed him hugely over the last while. And that's no disrespect because I am the biggest supporter slash fan of Shane Daly and Calvin Nash. I think they've been playing incredibly well and I hope that they'll be selected again because they've just had such a brilliant start to this season. Um, but I just think that old head, that 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 ability to kind of just manage situations defensively as well. He's just, you can't, that's almost priceless in terms of that, you know what I mean? The, the defensive work. Yeah, obviously we go into what, what Munster need to do and what they're facing a little bit later. Um, just want to go back to the Ireland game against Australia. So we just want to have a quick chat about that. The biggest talking point of this game for me, um, and it's been, there's been a lot of chat about it and a lot of uh, column inches um, lots of people have an opinion on this and it's it seems to be all swaying one way that Nick White should not have went back onto the field after the 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 him going off for a HIA. Just for anyone that didn't see it or doesn't understand what we mean, what we're talking about, Nick White makes a tackle on Mac Hansen near their try line, gets a, a bang, didn't look significant. He looked a bit dazed. He seemed to bang his head off the ground. He stayed down for a minute. Um, a couple of minutes, a minute or two later, Australia have a five meter line out. The try wasn't given, obviously, and Nick White has to break around the back of the line. He's tackled. His head hits um, Josh Flyer, Josh Van der Flair's knee as he's going to the ground. He clearly looks dazed. He's wobbling on his feet. Um, as he's kind of in the crouch position, he stands up. He has another wobble. Um, ben O'Keefe states to the medic, the Australian medic that was on the field that he's wobbling and he needs to go off and um, he saw him wobble basically. I was on commentary and I immediately, my thought when I see that nowadays is, you know, that's the end of the game for the player. They should not come back onto the field because they're displaying symptoms of a concussion, a brain injury and uh, a bang in the head and he's clearly wobbled. He went off and to my alarm, and a lot of people watching as well, he comes back on the field six minutes later. I was shocked. And before I kind of, you know, everyone knows my opinion on it at this stage, but what was your take on us, Neve? And how can we make this situation much better? Because now 
in the aftermath of the game, it's come out that the independent match doctor was watching the first incident, incident uh, monitoring that. And while the second incident took place, he didn't see it. My question as well is, why didn't the Australian doctors do something mm-hmm. here? The Australian medic was standing there and clearly saw Nick White wobble on two occasions. He should have been strong enough to make the decision to remove Nick White and not allow him back out onto the field. They then rolled him out for uh, media duties afterwards, and he was very, very strong and adamant that, oh, I got no, I wasn't concussed, I was fine, just got a bit dazed and running at big men. Um, that was a strategic move, and it was it was uh, very obvious that they did that on purpose. And Nick White now has been stood down for twelve days, so his HIA has been changed, and it's been elevated to um, the next level, which is uh, where you're stood down for twelve days. So the whole thing is a bit of a farce for me. I'm not blaming World Rugby for this. I'm blaming the Australians and I'm blaming the independent match doctor. This should have been handled so much better. And the message we send out um, from this, again, is one that's not a positive one. And there's there's player welfare has to be a priority right across the board, not just in the professional game. Yeah, look, absolutely. I... Um... Well, similar to you, I couldn't believe that he, he went back on the pitch. I thought, I don't know, I know you were on air. I don't know if you got to see the aftermath. I thought Joe Malloy in Syria for Virgin Media was exceptional in how he went about explaining it. And for anybody who's watching that, once will you display any form of concussion symptom in relation to like an, an un, in like, you know, poor balance or, um, you know, being a little bit like off on your feet or whatever, that's a risk and remove. You don't, there's no HIE for that. That's just a diagnosed. You don't come back on the pitch. And and the ambiguity here is, is that it's scary to think we've had this conversation over the summer in relation to the Jeremy Lockman one over in New Zealand where rugby wrapped on uh, New Zealand's knuckles in relation to, to that in, and how they handled in terms of their and, independent and doctors. Ireland as well, and Ireland. We, we haven't learned from that and that's probably the scary thing, I think. Um, and look, Quinny, you and I were both competitors. You're in the moment. If you someone says to you, come on, you're going off, you'd absolutely be like, no, I'm not. Taking it out of the player's hands is an absolute must. And I just think that that medic is there. I also think Ben O'Keefe probably needs to be stronger. I've seen him wobble. He cannot return to play. Um, and um, there's lots of facets to it, but it's, it is such, such a poor look for the sport that are already battling so many issues in relation to um, historic concussive symptoms, um, the court case, obviously, within rugby. Um, and it just seems to be a couple of these incidents that are popping up every few weeks and we're just not helping ourselves. Yeah, there was another one in the uh, um, the Scotland game and the Argentinian fullback. It was clearly concussed as well. Um, so it's something that um, is very, very worrying. Um, it needs to be better right across the board. And you need, you need the, the coaches and the medical staff to really be on, on a level playing field here because... The independent doctor has come out, obviously, and said that he was watching the incident, the replay of the first incident to clearly see what way Nick White fell. I could see that within 20 seconds um, in, the re- in one replay. I could see that. 
I was ready I know, to go. But there, you see, there's the thing. Like, so that I, 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 I've been inside in that independent match doctor's place as, as, as it's happening. There's loads of angles that they have to watch because they have to be absolutely certain that, you know, there is something. My big, my big issue is that... Do you know what might be helpful? Can I, can I, just, can I just say something? My big issue is that I get this independent doctor saying, but well, I missed it the first time around because I was watching the first incident. Nick White has then been removed for a HIA. So the independent doctor has now said, okay, we actually need to remove him. Why have they not, not removed him altogether? Why have they allowed the HIA to take place in the first place? That's, because, that's where my issue because, is. Because he's saying that he did, he... he I know, he but he's loads he, of time to see it in that, in that moment. I know, but he's, this is what he said, and it's all a cover-up, and it's, it's rubbish. He's saying that he didn't see the second incident. He should just watch the player. Uh, if the match restarts, you've got to go back and start watching the player's behaviours. There's no point in watching an incident to see how he fell and what way he fell um, over and over. You've got to, the game is, just watch the player. Yeah. And then you'll get a pretty good indication of if, the, if that player is displaying any symptoms, um, which he wasn't. It's a pity. He, he, it's was fine, a pity. he was fine from the first one. But look, it's, uh, it's very, very frustrating to see that again. And it's, it's a worry and a concern. Overall, the performance, I think, um, <laughs> Is it unfair to say it was a poor match? Was it just two teams? My impression was two teams cancelled each other out. There was a lot of mistakes and errors. Ireland turned the ball over a little bit too much for my my liking. And I think this didn't really get long periods of dominance. They had moments for sure. And Australia made it really difficult. They were obviously very, very up for it. There was a bit of niggle in the game. So did they stop Ireland from playing or was it just a poor performance from Ireland? I, I think uh, Australian the Australian coaching setup did their homework incredibly well. And I think that they targeted Ireland in places that Ireland probably wouldn't have been under pressure before in relation to the breakdown, the, the, the defensive, that, that high defensive line. Um, the ability then, it made getting passes, you know, that swing around attack that Munster or that Ireland have, sorry, where they have a front runner out the back and a front runner. It made that really, it made it really difficult for that to happen or, um, and for them to execute it. So I just think that they, they also were very smart in how they kicked back to Ireland, which was really, really good. They, they put Gibson Park under a lot of pressure. And, and I think if you're Andy Farrell, you'll actually be secretly delighted that your squad were put under this amount of pressure and in a di- attacked in a different way and still came away irrelevant of whether you know a lucky penalty here or try you know what I mean they still found a way to win and that's that's a really good physical South African team an incredibly physical Fijian team that could just play from anywhere and a messy dirty Australian team that just made the breakdown you know very difficult like if you're looking at Ireland right <laughs> And you think about, if I want to coach against Ireland, what am I going to look? Well, they have the quickest ruck in world rugby. So that's like between two and three seconds all the time. So slow down that ruck. Their ability to um, catch high balls, take Hugo Keenan out of it, aren't, isn't as solid as, 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 as you might think. So we can then target certain players in relation to their ability to, to catch the ball. But also if we can make things messy for them in terms of a shooter here and there in the defensive line targeting runners out the back as opposed to the front runners then it it actually stops their flow, that rhythm and you have a way into the game 
And I just think that Australia did that really, really well the other day. And um, so if, on the flip this, of that, if, if, uh, if this happens again, how do Ireland get their flow on the rhythm? Just we won't stay it, in the two. But you learn, you learn from that now. You the next review will be on that. Will be okay. This happened. Okay, they've shown us this picture. How do we change what we want to do? So you learn from that. You hit the front runner. You have an inside runner as opposed to a runner out the back. You start to kind of change a small little bit of pictures in relation to being able to go. And um, yeah, I, I I do think that they've been shown a picture. They'll definitely learn from it. And I think that Andy Farrell should be will be happy at the end of this this series. Yeah, obviously really happy, I think, with the three wins. But um, he was honest in his assessment as well. I don't think anyone will be too carried away. Um, and it's it's a little bit different in the feeling from 2018 because there's caution there about what's happened. I think they obviously need to... I, I think in some ways, um, because they're we're really good with the ball and we have been for the last uh, 12 to 18 months, I think... Ireland need to kind of add a little bit to their kicking game as well and sometimes realise that if they overplay in their own half that they're going to be under that pressure to break down. So maybe that's somewhere where they need to just get the balance right. It was a big um, big night for Josh van der Fleer, World Player of the Year. Outstanding. Uh, very well deserved. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's something that's, um, you know, he as he says himself, he was he's never even thought he'd be in that position. Two years ago, he was struggling to be on the on the Irish team and uh, now he's receiving that award Tyburn as well being being named on the team uh, team of the year Johnny Sexton Tyde Furlong um, it's incredible to think that they've got to that position and and four of them are recognised with um, you know that's three Irish forwards and a back so it was brilliant that was brilliant and look it caps off a good end to a really no good November series I think the performances and it's I don't think it's any harm that we've had a little dip in, in the in the the kind of intensity and the flow of the game it's you know they've got a he's capped um, how many players five players I think in this yeah. series um, the A team at the start against New Zealand was obviously disappointing um, but the journey continues and the preparations ahead of next year so we'll see um, when they go to Cardiff and, and at the start of February can they you know, get a good Six Nations under the belt. Just for the listeners, we did the piece last year around the, the Irish games. Um, and this is our first one this year because um, we've had a lot going on the last few weeks in the podcast. It's the, are you are you watching Andy Farrell? So it, this is a little bit different because the player we're going to talk about is Jack Crowley and um, what he's gained and the way he's kind of elevated himself from that emerging Ireland tour um, to... You know, getting capped against Fiji, starting the other night against Australia. Um, so I think Andy Farrell is watching Jack Crowley, obviously. But just you know, how impressed are you uh, of him in the last couple of weeks? Um, obviously, he was thrown right into the, the the lines then on Saturday night to start that Test match um, so early. I don't think. Um, some people said and were mentioning that you know maybe it was uh, a move from Ireland that Johnny Sexton was never going to play. I don't think so. Um, I think I saw Johnny Sexton out in the field and he was he looked like someone who was really ready to start the game. So um, could he play possibly? But I think he did. They didn't risk him. So your impressions of Jack Crowley, not just in the last couple of weeks, but um, this season, his body language, his performances, and. 
the other night. How did he do? Yeah, I, I thought he was, I, th- I think he's been so, so good. I think he's been the real big winner from the emerging tour on. I think, obviously, um, Andy Farrell wasn't over in South Africa for that, but the likes of Easterby, Cash, my Cash and, and Paulie were, and they're obviously seeing something in him that, that's kind of catapulting, catapulting him up there. I think he's clearly now in the very much for the mix for that backup spot to Johnny Six. And I was disappointed for him in the first half that he didn't wasn't allowed to express himself. Ireland didn't have a huge amount of ball when they did. Gibson Park was just trying to protect him a little bit, which I totally get, you know. Um, but I, I do feel like in the second half, we got to see more of his ability to talk to the line, his ability to control. He's just his temperament is made for this game. You can see him so calm and composed, but on the flip of that, you can see him demanding things of people. And and that's only going to grow the more experience he gets. You know, we speak about, um, we speak a lot about, you know, other tens within the province and the country and, and not having that little bit of bite, just like, you know, that, that we're used to with Johnny. And I, th- I think Jack Crowley has the ability to go there to be able to control things. And I think that, you know, 22 years of age, you know, Johnny didn't get capital, he was 24. He's got a huge amount of growth in that. But um, yeah, I, I certainly believe that it's going to be very interesting when everybody's fit and everybody's available for selection, what way Munster go, because um, they all offer so much and something so different. I just think that Jack Crowley seems to be more of that complete player. And I was very surprised to see some of the, the reports afterwards not really probably given him his credit or his due in relation to how that game went. I, I, I thought it was very strange, but um, I think from an overall, uh, you know, last three or four weeks, I think he'll be really, really happy with where he is. Yeah, he's um, he's obviously got a very, very good position now and his confidence will grow. But the interesting part, as you say, will Joey Carberry start this um, this Saturday night? Uh, ben Healy played well in South Africa or against South Africa in Cork. So, um, are you watching any Farrell? Well, you are because you've uh, you've had him involved and you've seen stuff. And Mike Cat as well has seen stuff in, in Jack Crowley. Um, hopefully, he can kick on and grow from this. The other player, I would say, who obviously um, played in that South Africa game for me is Edwin Adogbo. I think he's caught everyone by surprise this year with his performances. And, you know, when you're six foot seven or six foot eight and... Uh, the physical specimen that he is, um, he's 118, 20 kilos or something like that. He's a big man. He's very athletic, very powerful. I think uh, they'll certainly be keeping a close eye on, on his progress in the next couple of months. Will he start with, with Munster? If he's a regular starter for Munster between now and the end of the season, uh, it could be a wild card for that that World Cup squad. People might yeah. say that's crazy. I know Thomas Ahern, I've talked to him up before, and I think Thomas this year was starting to really kind of show that um, that his potential. He's obviously been injured now, so there's there's um, good prospects there coming through. Hopefully they can stay fit. But I think Edwin Adogbo could be a wild card. Remember where you heard it first. People, <laughs> might, be coming, people might be coming back saying, uh, you're crazy. But I just think there's that physical size and power that he has. If, if he can... Uh, perform at a high level for Munster between now and the end of the season. You'd never know, I'm sure. 
Ireland are certainly watching him very close. Um, just to recap there on the Irish players that started. So, because we're we, with a view to talking about who will start for Connacht. So for the Australian game, Tyburn, Peter Manny, Jack Crowley started. Craig Casey's on the bench. So that's four of them. Fiji, Joey Carby started. Tyburn started. Jeremy Lockman, Jack Crowley came off the bench. And for South Africa, we had three. Conor Murray, Tyburn and Peter O'Mahony. So are they physically worn out from the last number of weeks? Um Ty Byrne is the one that's involved in all three. Um, Peter O'Malley. I, I, I imagine Ty in peace might not be available this weekend. Well, Peter, Peter O'Malley didn't play against Fiji, so um, he had a week off there. So Yeah, um, maybe. I, I think uh, given its conduct at home and the desperation for results, I think possibly they're all back in the mix because yeah. when they go to Edinburgh, the week after, which is a tricky one to get the balance right of this for, for the next two weeks. So Who do you um, start at 10, Quinny? Um, I start Joey Carberry at 10. Yeah. I think I think you start Joey Carberry at 10. I think um, Jack Crowley could be in the centre. He Maybe, I don't know. It could I be think a situation. He, I, I'd love to see him at 12. I'd love to see Jack Crowley at 12. I think he physically, he needs to probably be more involved and be more you know, um, he had some uh, a lot of tackles on Valentini the other day, probably the best ball carrier, one of the best on the field, and they targeted Jack Crowley. Um, I think this week it'll it'll it should be Carberry. Um, I just think they need to. Um, I don't know. There's not a lot like Jack Crowley is closing that gap, and he's showing that promise. We just need to see more of him on a regular basis. But I just and that's a bit of a contradictory statement. I think. Yeah. Um, Carberry for me at the weekend is is probably what they need at the start. But Car, we've seen Crowley at full back, so you never know. The two of them could be on the field together, I think, and that's that's what possibly will happen going forward. Um, Munster had a disappointing result a number of weeks ago, not so far uh, back, uh, where Connacht beat them, deservedly beat them. Um, Munster had a number of issues that night. Um, they were in a good position for. A period of the game was quite close in the end, but Connacht got those that try. I think it was Finley Beelham's try, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was two tries in that second half. Um, good result for them. They were desperate for a result that night. Munster had issues and problems, lost the game. Um, is there a bit of case of um Munster getting a little bit of a revenge here? And how can they right the wrongs of that night against a good, a very good Connacht side who were very, very dangerous? And who will really again fancy their chances of going to Thomas Park and winning? Yeah, look, I think there was a lot of factors in relation to that Connacht game. You know, obviously the emotional pitch of being at home for the first time that season for Connacht, their brand new pitch. Uh, Jack Carty being back, he's like their big leader. Um, I do think that that was, a, a, you know, a big thing for them. I think being at home this weekend is huge for Munster. I would worry if they were away, I think. With being at home at Munster, they they've been playing quite well. Look, we we spoke after that game in relation to a couple of things, but in in my opinion, Munster needs to just be good at a couple of areas. For me, most important thing is is that starting to execute in terms of the possession that they have. So we we spoke that couple of weeks ago in relation to 
the line breaks, the half line breaks, the offloads that they, you know what I mean? They're, they're quite apt and high up in those charts for that. But after that, the next phase, it, it's either usually, you know, a mistake or a turnover and they've got to cut those type of errors out. So if they get a half line break or a line break that they can finish them in terms of, I'm not talking about just a score, but I'm also talking about, you know, being able to hold on to possession for another three, four or five phases after that. And that's where those opportunities will come for them to be able to get a score. So definitely have to be more efficient there. Um, their penalty count, they had, they had 13 or 14 penalties against Connacht uh, the last day. And I think, um, you know, we speak about it and it's so cliche, you know, it was even back in your time, once you go into double figures, you're, you're you know, you're, you're struggling to win that game. Um, and a lot of those penalties came in around that breakdown. I do think that they've fixed those issues over the last few weeks, but it's going to be huge because it's going to be an area that 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 Connacht will target. Um, so, yeah, look, I think you know we're talking about accuracy. I'd love to know the stats if anybody out there has stats on this. But Munster's entries into twenty-two and their ability or inability to convert. I'm talking about tries, but also offset piece. I feel like when they go into a twenty-two, the line out often doesn't function well. We turn the ball over easily. And it must be so frustrating from a coaching point of view, from a playing point of view. You worked so hard to get into those to, to those areas. And I just feel like sometimes we relinquish possession or, or territory a bit easy. Yeah, it's uh it's it's obvious. I think so the, the stats and tries scored this year monster um are sixteenth. Uh thirteen tries scored in those seven matches. So that tells its own story. They're not scoring enough for tries, so they are not having that ruthless edge. I think we've spoken a lot about the attack and um, the development of the attack and the change of plan and the positional change and maybe changing the mindsets of players and having you know been much more accurate in their passing and trying to be expansive in their game plan. That's been pretty obvious in the games. So a lot of stuff has broke down when they've been in possession, good positions, um, they've 18 clean breaks so they're 16th in that as well so they're not getting the, the clean breaks that other teams are getting they're trying to create um, they're second in offloads so it's not as if they're being stifled here in trying to play um, it's not you know they're not being told well don't risk this and don't pass and we want to keep it tight and kick the letter off the ball they're not doing that they're certainly trying to play and the offload will tell you that, you know, 63 offloads. So they're trying to keep the ball alive, but I think it's breaking down too often. In the South Africa A game in Cork, I think everyone would agree that watched that. It was much better. Yeah. Was that down to, you know, South Africa not being, putting as much pressure? on? Mon- I don't know. I just think Munster were better in the way they protected the ball. The lines they ran, and you could see some of the passes starting to stick. So I think that's what people will hope for on Saturday night, that yeah. their attack is much better. Because obviously, if you want to win matches, Nate, you've got to score points and you've got to attack teams. And Connacht are a very brave team. They throw the ball around a lot. And I think, you know, maybe you could fall Connacht in the last number of years with, with the consistency of wins and getting results and getting into Europe last year. That's the reality that that was disappointing from last year. But every time you watch Connacht play, they're an exciting side to watch. You couldn't say the same about Munster in the last number of years. Sporadically, we've seen moments. 
I and the big story is the change in the way they're playing and changing yeah. behaviours and mindset. So, do you think on Saturday night after the South African game that they will be better? And would it be better to stick with the by and large that same group? So I'm talking about Ben Healy, uh, Rory Scannell, Anton Frisch, Shane Daly, Simon Zebo, and Mike Haley as your backline. To or do you do you make those changes with a hope and a view that this week? they can get a better understanding and, and overall be better in their attack. Yeah, look, it's kind of, it kind of caught in a rock in a higher place. I, I do think Craig Casey could come back in there, even though I thought, obviously, Paddy Patterson was so good because he wouldn't run the match. But um, I'd love to see Anton Frisch stay in there. Um, I think, it, you know, that's the type of player Munster have been missing in the midfield area. Somebody who can create... I know Zebo is struggling with a calf injury, if I'm correct. So I'd imagine the key girls will come back in there. Um, and after that, look, that ten positions, it all depends on how. On you know, after the South Africa game, I'm pretty sure those players were off for again for a few days. So it's not as if they've been training and um, are all in a rhythm and a flow together. I think they all came back into training on Monday. Maybe the the Ireland boys don't come back in until Thursday. I don't, I don't really know, but. Um, so yeah, look, it's interesting. I, I don't think you go too far. I don't think you go too far wrong uh, by keeping the bulk of that um, of that backline. Um, but yeah, look, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of we can see evolution in their attack. We can see the layers happening. Um, they've, you know, I thought some of the tries they scored in that South African game were exceptional, and it wasn't due to South African poor play or poor defence. I thought. Munster moved the ball really, really well at times during that game. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I do think it's coming. I just don't think... I always thought to myself it would take till after Christmas to be able to see some sort of, um, you know, consistency within this group. And I don't think that that's changed. I think that we could end up being really, really good against Connacht on Saturday and maybe not the following week. I, I, it's just about time and, and making sure that... I suppose you can see small wins every week. Is it about performance this week or just any sort of a win? Getting a it's result. A it's it's a, win. a win, yeah. I know that's a yeah. stupid question in a sense because when you when you know where Munster are at, um, you know, they've lost five of their first seven. I think it's a win. If they kick one penalty and win the game three nil, they'll be happy. Um it's points on the board. Um, it's going to be difficult. Um Connacht are down there as well. And for both sides, I think it's important to say one win here can kind of push you up right up the table. Um, mm. Eight, nine, seven to eight, nine, depending. If there was a bonus point win, you could get right up there if your results go your way. So there'll be um, a lot of desperation to get a result. And there's a bit of niggle. We spoke about that the last time. The first scrum in Galway kind of destroyed that monster scrum. Um, that set the tone. I think the first mall, Peter Manny wins it. Kind of tell them up turn the ball over, you can see the reaction, the crowd get behind him. Um, do Munster need a little bit of that on Saturday night? Set the tone, get their first scrum, get, come up with a big tackle. Because I think, and this is no rocket science, Connacht are going to come with a lot of aggression. And they, and rightly so, if I was in that kind of group, I was saying, you know, let's take Munster's scalp again. And we, we've we got to bring, there's a, a bit of dislike between probably the sides. But that's, I think the intensity and the rivalry between Munster Connacht is 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 nearly getting more than the the, the Leinster one. Yeah, Leinster I agree. Monster. 
Um, yeah. So, um, you know, Munster. Getting I think the crowd point. could. I think crowd could be huge, a huge factor this weekend, and I think that's why Connacht are so good at home. It's their crowd are are so good and they're so close and tight to the to the ground, and I just think it's going to be similar for Tom Park. I really hope people will get out and support them. Yeah, certainly it's uh, it's 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 an interesting one and half seven Saturday nights it's going to be uh, it's going to be a few fireworks there. Um, just to finish, um, I just want to mention again. Yeah, Keith Earl's been back in John Klein, Liam Coombs. That's a big boost for the Munster squad. Um, there was a number of players away. Kieran McDonald, John Ryan, they were with the Babas. Obviously, the Irish players away. Malachi Fekatoa was with Tonga as well. And they win over Uruguay. The last thing I want to mention, and we touched, just mentioned it briefly, and we won't stay long enough, but Tyburn, you know, this, his story is phenomenal, really. Right. Being released by Leinster, um, you know, going to the Scarlets, coming back to Munster, uh, getting capped in Australia in 2018, getting picked in a British and Irish lines, and now being recognised as one of the best players in the world in his position. It's a phenomenal achievement, really, for, for a guy that maybe six, seven years ago, nobody could have seen this. Yeah, incredible. And I think the more his story gets out there, not to the Joe public, but also to, to those young academy players and NTS players, players that might not make the grade first time around, that's a story where hard work and perseverance and ability to go after a dream can, you know, can can have you know a big ending and um to have that resilience that the, the the mentality to you know he was delivering pizzas about seven or eight years ago do you know what I mean and um trying to train part time and stuff and yeah I just think it's incredible I think that everybody develops different stages within that young age group but I think that you know if you're a, an academy player who who gets caught and um the ability to go somewhere else. It's not, do you know what I mean? It's not the BL, that that one team isn't the only team in the world. I think you go and you you find your niche and, and you get comfortable in an environment and, and anything can happen. And I just think, um, yeah, it's incredible and so well-deserved too, by the way. Like he was absolutely brilliant in the summer in that New Zealand tour, really good over November um, and has probably in the last three or four games been one of Munster's best players. So, He's in the form of his life and um, I hope, you know, injury-free and, and, and continues to do that for the World Cup next year. Yeah, he's brilliant and well-deserved for him and um, Josh van der Fleer as well. Johnny Sexton type Furlong. It's great for Irish rugby to see four Irish players on the yeah. world player. player and, 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 to, and to be fair, Terry Kennedy too. Terry Kennedy, I don't know. I, I was just going to say. That was outrageous. Like where those sevens boys have come from to where they finish now, and I know Terry's taking a year out. He's gone to Australia for the year. But, you know Ireland will miss him. Like the ability that he has is just outrageous. Things that he can do on an ball. So um, yeah, look a huge proud, a hugely proud day for him and his family, and and for the sevens lads. Maybe he could sign for Munster, flying winger. Uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be hard. Yeah, it'd be great. He's oh look, he's he's class. He's class acting, and um, and like Josh as well, just an awful. Nice guy, so I'm delighted for him, but... Yeah, okay, there'll be... Can I, can, we, can I just say, and the last thing I'll say is, we had a, we had a tip woman, a tip town woman, who was uh, nominated for World Sevens Player of the Year as well, um, in Amy Lee Murphy-Crow, and um, she scored, all, you know, top try scorer in the, the women's seven circuit for the last two seasons. Absolute flyer, and, um, 
yeah, I just as a 15s coach, I'd, I'd love to get her into playing 15s. She's just ridiculously good at what she does. So uh, hopefully we'll see more of her in the green jersey this season. But um, well done to her and getting nominated. I'm glad you mentioned Amy Lee Murphy Crow because uh, I'd be stalked by her mother around the town if I didn't. Uh, oh, didn't look, she's phenomenal. Her. She's phenomenal and one of the most hardworking players. I favoured her, Jesus, when she just turned 18 for Munster and Sports Friends. And um, incredible to see where she's gone from since. And, and, and a lot of self thought in terms of her hard work is just outrageous. Brilliant. Uh, well done Sorry, to her. That was my ramble at the end. No, no, it's important. It's important to mention her as well. And uh, that's brilliant. And Terry Kennedy there. It's great. Uh, it was a good November. Let's hope the next block of games from Munster can be a bit more uh, rewarding than the first block. So it's going to be difficult. Connacht at home, Edinburgh, Leinster, obviously the European games, Northampton and Toulouse in there. It's a busy period. Um they're on the run now for a good number of weeks, week after week. So hopefully they can get a bit of luck with injuries and get some good positive results. They'll be skin and hair flying in Thomas Park Saturday night. Okay, Neve, we'll leave it there. Uh, good to chat to you again and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Quinny. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. <laughs>